0: New on Curiosity Stream.
1: With my infrared drone, I can see what others can't.
0: Drone pilot Doug Thrawn uses his bird's eye view for the ultimate good, saving animals from desperate situations around the globe. Join the rescue effort on a new season of Doug to the Rescue. And you captured a Confederate steamboat. We're taking a ship to freedom. An enslaved crew, a stolen vessel, and a Civil War dash to salvation on impossible escapes. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information.
2: Initialize sequence. Now.
0: The Bradfow Show. Bradfoe Show, the place where WEI.com's Rob Bradford talks all things that interest him, some of which you might just want to listen to. So sit back and soak in another episode of the soon-to-be award-winning show a whole bunch of people are talking about. Bradfoe Show. Here's Rob Bradford.
1: Welcome to another edition of The Bradfoe Show sponsored at uh, always by Ghoul's Distinctive Clothing, the people who make me look just so Darn good, and the, one person who's looking especially dapper today is Alex Spear, my colleague at WEI.com, who, who has also dove into the Goulds experience, but one thing he has really immersed himself, other than clothing recently, <laughs> is the Baseball America Top 10 list for the Boston Red Sox, Top 10 Prospects, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Alex, how are you?
2: Rob, I'm well. I uh, just for this, I, I made myself distinctive enough to shower in everything for this conversation. That is showering for a sports
1: reporter after doing a top ten list, after toiling over all the information, all the uh, analyzing every single prospect in the Red Sox system, and then coming to the conclusion that these are the top ten prospects in the Boston Red Sox farm system. Listen, showering goes a long way, and that's all we can really ask. So uh, before we get to the top 10 list, how difficult is it? How difficult is it to actually get to that point? Because I think that people should know this isn't just, hey, okay, here's a list of players, and I'm going to sort them out one through 10. You talk to a lot of people.
2: Yeah, I would say that I probably talked to somewhere around 20 to a couple dozen people inside and outside the Red Sox organization um, in, in order to get a feel for – you know for how how the industry views these guys because you know there's an important component not just how the Red Sox project them and you know frankly if you talk to one organization they could lie or yeah. they could you know or they might get carried away with what they know about one guy and it's important to get a, a broader perspective on that so it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun to see things from an, a lot of perspectives it's kind of like a Roshamon you know project. yeah job.
1: that's exactly yeah. what I thought it was like. yeah
2: it's yeah. just like the Roshamon effect uh, yeah. where you're looking at things from a number of perspectives and trying in the process to develop Develop a comprehensive portrait, or something akin to an accurate representation of a three-dimensional view of uh, of the prospect universe that the Red Sox face. But um, the top ten for me, I you know, I felt like I felt like it was reasonably well defined this year. I, I didn't uh, you know when I was when I looked at the guys who had now within the top thirty, then then they're But this isn't problems. a top thirty list. This so. isn't a top thirty no. conversation. The that's, top thirty comes out a in, whole different yeah, conversation. In January, yeah. uh, but um, but yeah, I. I I felt like this was this year was probably to me a bit more settled as a top 10 than was the previous year.
1: All right, so so we don't bury the lead here. This just just run through real quick without any explanation, just a list. Of the names, the top ten prospects as you rank them for Baseball America, what are the top ten?
2: All right. Uh, let me see if I can remember the list in order. Number one, Blake Swihart, catcher, uh, ended the year in Pawtucket. Number two, uh, I had uh, I had Henry Owens, who ended the year in Pawtucket, left-handed pitcher. Number three, I put Ruzne Castillo, who obviously ended the year in the big leagues for the Red Sox in the outfield after getting that $72.5 million contract. Number four, left-hander Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, ended the year in Pawtucket, acquired from the Orioles in the Andrew Miller trade. Number five, uh, I uh, number five. I had Brian Johnson, left-hander, ended the year in Pawtucket. There's a theme here. Uh, who, uh, yeah, had just an incredible year. The lowest uh, ERA in the Eastern League since 1985. Nice. Uh, number six was, uh, I believe, I had. Uh, I I know that I had Rafael <laughs> Devers, uh, the third baseman, who was in the who finished the year in the rookie level Gulf Coast League. Seventeen-year-old kid who can mash in a way that the Red Sox haven't had. 17 year olds who do that sort of thing in a long time uh number uh number seven i had i had manuel margot outfielder finished the year in high a salem uh five tool guy um interesting overall potential uh number eight i had matt barnes right hander finished the year in the big leagues with the red Sox. number nine i had devin Morero, shortstop finished the year in Pawtucket, currently in the arizona fall league and number 10 i had garen chicchini who finished Let's let's just say it again. Chakini, yes, uh, who uh, who finished the year in the big leagues uh, playing third base, who was number
1: eleven? Who who missed? Just missed the cut.
2: Uh, there were actually there was kind of a conversation about three guys who just missed the cut. I don't want to have too many spoilers for the for beyond. But basically, mm-hmm. there were three guys in conversation. Who, who were just outside, and those were uh, Javier Guerra, a shortstop who was in the GCL this year, um, who probably there hasn't been a lot that's been mentioned about him, but uh, I talked to Tom Kochman, the manager down there, who said that he's the best defensive shortstop he's had in 35 years of managing. That's something. That's something, uh, and has interesting offensive potential. Uh, Michael Chavis, the team's first-round pick this year, uh, whose position is a little bit ill-defined. He's going to be moving off of shortstop. He'll be a, a third baseman probably to start next year maybe a second baseman down the road maybe a left fielder could go could go a number of directions but the kid can mash and then another guy who can mash also drafted this year second round sam travis uh who is uh who's probably going to be uh, progressing as a first baseman through the red sox system uh he uh, he graduated he was a junior out of indiana um who can really hit
1: i just want to note you've used the word mash four times
2: already mm,
1: mash mm. i like potatoes <laughs> i know well there you go so not uh, with
2: bacon though I, I don't... I, I, no, I am I, I am quasi-kosher. Yes, you know?
1: yes. Yeah. Listen, I think you have a t-shirt that says I'm quasi-kosher. Um, so the first question I have for you, you had mentioned a little while ago that, just <laughs> a little while ago, that you had talked to all these different people and got all kinds of different feedback. They could mash.
2: <laughs> well,
1: evidently not as much as the top 10 players. Evidently not as much as Michael Chavis. There you go. Okay. But... So when you talk to these people, was there one or two that stood out in terms of the feedback that you said, wow, I didn't realize that that player was perceived that way and maybe even changed your perception of them?
2: Well, the interesting, you know, to me, there was first of all there was a very interesting cluster at the top. Uh, you know, there were there were cases were made for the top four prospects being the number one overall guy in the Red Sox system between Swihart, uh, Swihart, Owens, Rodriguez, and Castillo. And Rodriguez is really interesting. If you based it solely on how he was on how he performed in his time with the Red Sox, he's the best prospect in the system. The guy with uh, the highest probability of being a front of the rotation starter just outstanding stuff from the you know it's a left-hander athletic shows the ability to get up to 96 97 miles an hour uh with one swing and miss secondary pitch now another one that projects as a potential secondary pitch but he has an uneven track record so it was really interesting trying to get a feel for how people had seen him prior to his coming over to the Sox to figure out does he belong at the top uh he was he ended up being number four there was a while when i thought when i was convinced he was going to be number one Mm. um and i thought that You know, beyond that, the the number of people who are convinced that Devin Morero is an everyday shortstop in the big leagues in the not too distant future is very, very high. He
1: was number nine, you he said. He ended right? up
2: being number nine. And look, the the profile is pretty well defined. There's a high likelihood that he's going to be an everyday shortstop who delivers kind of gold glove caliber defense or maybe something just below that, uh, with, you know, kind of bottom of the order batting skills. Um, he should hit for some average. He should get on base a little bit. Uh as I've been watching this postseason, I've been watching I've, I've been I'm I'm kind of mesmerized watching Brandon Crawford because even though Crawford is a left-handed hitter, I think that he's very much the type of player who the Red Sox and a lot of people in the industry think that Devin Morero can become. So uh, the consensus surrounding Morero, I thought, was uh, uh, was pretty telling. Um, well, I, I wondered whether or not Devers was going to, whether or not people would think Devers. It was a bit too aggressive to put Devers up close to the top five. There, by the way not.
1: this this conversation that you're having right now i can see you laying in bed staring at the ceiling just saying i should have you know I, I the conversation with Devers. i, I don't know i, I should have <laughs> put dever's here and and, and morero Mar- Mar- there and it's i don't know how much you were torn by the whole thing because clearly talking through it you you make cases for guys moving around so, with that in mind, I think one of the biggest debates with the Red Sox prospects going back a year now has been with the pitchers. You talked about Eduardo Rod Rodriguez, but where you thought that he might jump up a little bit, and he's still very high on the list. But... One of the debates is Johnson Owens, mm-hmm. right? So we have the the guys who had been with the Red Sox already. We have that group. But we're not really talking about that group. Barnes is the only guy on that list, I think, that had experience with the Red Sox this year, right? Right. In right. terms of pitchers, um, but let's look at Owens and Johnson. Yep. Uh, tell me why one is why Owens is rated over Johnson.
2: Owens has a track record that suggests swing and miss stuff. Uh, he even even at the end of the year when he made it up to Pawtucket, he struggled a little bit. Maybe with the work, maybe there were some things going on with the workload. Maybe it was adjusting to more advanced hitters. He gave up some home runs when he was in Pawtucket, but he keeps striking guys out. He had more than a strikeout in an inning when he was in Portland. He had ten strike. He had ten point four strikeouts per nine innings. I want to say when he was in Pawtucket at the end of the year, he gets swings and misses with his fastball and his changeup. Um, Johnson. Is a guy who kind of carves. He's he's an execution guy, uh, not necessarily a guy who just shows you know who shows the ability to get a, a ton of swings and misses. Even though he has he has he has pitches that can grade above average, like his fastball, especially because of how well he commands it and locates it. That grades as an above average pitch. It's like a fifty-five on the twenty to eighty scale. Uh, his curveball probably is in a similar vein, um, but his his ceiling is capped. He's probably you know you're probably looking at a very high probability. Number four starter, maybe in some years you're talking about uh, you're talking about a guy with the upside of a number three Owens. You're looking at a guy with the ceiling of of maybe being a sustainable number three, could play up to a number two at some points, but it's fair to ask. How you kind of move those guys around? Because the the thing that's remarkable about Johnson is just his insane consistency. Once he got locked in this year, he looks like the same guy every outing. Which was to say, a mm-hmm. big league starting pitcher who had a minimum of three you know three big league quality pitches at his disposable at his disposal in just about every outing.
1: Of these guys, when we go to spring training, is there anyone who can make such a case that? They have such a good spring training that they they make the opening day roster.
2: So, of the guys who we mentioned uh, in the top ten, meaning uh, meaning Johnson, Rodriguez, uh, R- Owens, and uh, and Barnes, I would guess that none of those guys is in the opening day rotation. I think that I, I think that you know, with Johnson and Owens especially, you're talking about maybe the middle of the season. Barnes. Has a chance, but I think that I I think that they want him to open the year in the uh, in the AAA rotation, and then it'll be kind of okay. Does he end up in the bullpen in the big leagues, Uh, where I think that that's where his primary impact is felt in two thousand in two thousand fifteen. Even as maybe with a kind of Cardinals style development process in front of him, you know, let him pitch, uh, learn how to pitch in the big league bullpen, and then become a starter in the big leagues, maybe. Um, I, and, uh, so I, I, think to me, my guess is that Alan Webster, Anthony Renato, maybe even Brandon Workman end up competing for that number five starter spot. Maybe even Steven Wright, um, as, as absurd How as, as
1: Delarosa,
2: I think that uh, to me, I, I think that there's a, uh, that there have been enough people paying attention to you because you dress distinctively, Rob, that they're they got to finally listen to me. I think that, you know, I don't even, but here's the thing, Alex, and we're getting a little off topic with this, but here's the
1: thing is that. I don't want to see him do the. He's coming to spring training as a starter. And then we're gonna draw him back. I don't want to see him do that. I just want to say, hey, you're a bullpen guy. Learn how to be a bullpen guy throughout spring training, and then go for it. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. We have all off season to talk about it, all spring training. But so uh, another obvious question: Swihart, easy choice at number one
2: initially no because as i as i talked about there were four guys who were all getting who who all got there were there were really Powerful cases for all five, all four of the guys who I mentioned. But in the end, I felt like there was a clearly forming consensus. Swihart represents something that's potentially, I don't want to say unique, but very, very rare uh, in terms of the skill set that he has as a catcher. And the, the standard for catchers to be above average producers is so low in the majors right now that to have someone like Swihart, who now clearly looks like he's going to be an above average, maybe well above average defensive catcher, who has the potential to be, let's say that he's a 280 hitter who gets to the teens in home runs, with the potential upside of maybe in a year or two a 20 home run hitter. Wow, that's that's a clear All Star caliber performer in the world of where Major League Baseball is. Uh, a guy with a chance to impact the game in a number of ways. There aren't a lot of people uh, who you would you would talk to scouts who saw him and they would be like, this guy is is a unique animal. He's different. You, you look at the landscape of, of catchers that are out there. There aren't a lot that look like him.
1: I know they're going to get going here pretty soon, but uh, another obvious question when you look at these top 10 lists, because people love these te- top 10 lists not only because you do them and execute them so well, but because it, it, it allows for hope for the future. And and we've gone through – we go through the previous ten top 10 lists well before you ever did it, and we can see the bust and the guys who did well. Which guy on this list – has the biggest upside. I think I know which one you're going to say, and I'll tell you if, if we're on the same page, but which guy has the biggest upside to be a star?
2: Uh, that would be Devers, and that's ah, the reason you're why. You're right. I was right. I mean, look, to be a 17-year-old who's in the top 10, you have to have that kind of ceiling, and that that's why he's where he is in the list. This is a guy who, I mean, it's only seven home runs in the span of, you know, in the, but he led Two different levels in home runs this year, both the Dominican Summer League and the Gulf Coast League. This is a guy who, at the age of seventeen, was driving the ball out to left center field. That's unheard of. Basically, mm. I mean, it's it's not literally unheard of, but it's very rarely. It's 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 a very rare thing. When Xander Bogarts was his age, he hit three home runs in the DSL. Uh, Devers did that in in fewer than half of the games that Bogarts played, and then hit four more in another level and led that level. He is a uh, he's a, a special bat. This is a future potential middle of the order hitter, um, and you know especially if he can stick at third base. Uh, there's you know I, the the consensus is that his ceiling is as big as any position player the Red Sox have had in the last decade.
1: Which one did you whiff on last year? Last year's list.
2: Mookie Betts, because I uh, I I bumped him down based on the fact that he didn't have a track record that went beyond last year. As you know, I. I I'm an enthusiast of his tools. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you're,
1: not, you're not against Mookie Betts. Yes,
2: but I pegged him as number seven last year simply because I wasn't sure if there was a, a component of a mirage to what he had done in 2013. The answer was quite clearly no, and I never get a chance to put him as the number one overall prospect because he got up to the major leagues too fast. Who was but, number
1: one last year? Uh, last year was O-Gards, Xander Bogarts, right. which is an was, easy one. Was, Owens
2: was number two. Owens, two.
1: And and. Who, who did you miss? Like you say, you talk about missing, missing on a guy who exceeded expectations. Who was the guy who didn't live up to expectations?
2: I mean, Bradley was number three, and yeah. so I mean, you know, in some respects, he, you know, it's it's a difficult ask. I would have, uh, I, you know, it's it's a difficult ask to say, oh, he has to do X to live up to being uh, the number three guy. He was close to being. Uh, good enough to be a major league everyday player, and he was in stretches, but mm. not over the course of the year. And I thought that he was—I thought that he was further along than he was. And then at number four, I had Alan Webster, and his stuff stepped back this year. His execution improved, but mm. you know now he's a guy who looks like—who uh, looks like his ceiling is probably capped as more or less a back end guy, uh, unless he rediscovers some of that kind of magic that he was showing in spring training and in the early part of the season in 2013. Who took
1: the biggest leap?
2: Uh, the biggest leap uh, that uh, let's see. I'm not sure that I I figured that. Uh, well, if I've thought yeah, I mean, that, I could. I, Devers made a considerable one in moving up 14 spots. That, uh, listen, Javier, listen, Guerra, when
1: you when you go from 16 to 17 years old, you're always going to make a leap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, Javier Guerra made a pretty big one. He was he was at the back of the top 30 uh, last year and moved. You know, as I said, just kind of outside of the top 10 range. Uh, this year, Johnson made a made a considerable leap. Mm-hmm. I think I had him last year at about number thirteen or so, and you know he's a top five guy now.
1: Alex, excellent job. I, I can't really quantify how excellent it was, but. If, as we're sitting here right now, it sure seems excellent. So I hope you had fun doing it. And I hope you had fun doing this podcast.
2: Rob, the semblance of excellence will often exceed will often suffice for excellence itself.
1: That's Alex Speer, creator of the Baseball America top 10 prospect list for the
0: Boston Red Sox organization. New on CuriosityStream.
1: From time to time, we have
0: collisions between asteroids and the Earth. We track them. We study them. We hope the big one never comes. Don't look up. It's Asteroid Rush. And alligators. They rarely get sick. They even outlasted the dinosaurs. Could they hold the secret to human longevity? Their blood could have antibacterial applications. Wade into the investigation on immortal alligators. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information.
1: The difference between an agent and a Realtor is real. Realtors have the expertise to find exactly what you need and the ethics to do the right thing, even when it's the harder thing. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. That's who we are.